This is the Young Entrepreneurs Network Podcast, where serial entrepreneur, public speaker, social media expert, Marco Stavro, will be interviewing some of the greatest upcoming current experts in their respective industries. From artists, entrepreneurs, e-commerce experts, influencers, and more to help you take your passions and aspirations and create your own successful brands and businesses. Now, let's get straight into the show that could possibly change your thinking and life. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Young Entrepreneurs Network podcast. On today's new episode, it's the one and only Casey Adams, someone who I've been trying to get on for at least three months, someone I've aspired towards, who's impacted many, and he's an awesome individual who's been doing podcasting for over three years um, at such a young age, um, networking with some of the biggest guys. So I'm really excited, and it's going to be a powerful episode. Um, Welcome, Casey. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Truly, uh, I know we've been trying to do this for a long time, so I'm super excited for this. Absolutely. So for those who don't know who Casey is, he's a world-renowned brand strategist, keynote speaker, social media expert, who has a remarkable story and journey that he's about to share with us. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. So Casey, for those who don't know who you are, because my audience is mainly from South Africa, let them know a quick 30 seconds about what happened with your youth, the incident that you had, and how the process was from age 15 to 17. Yeah, man, no, I appreciate it. And I think first off, for everyone listening, I know I, I've never been to South Africa, and um, it's definitely a place that I look forward to, to visiting sometime down the road for sure. So um, first things first, my name is Casey Adams. I'm 19 years old right now, and three years ago, I would say a little about four years ago, I had a very, I would say, interesting thing happen to me. So I was diagnosed with interspinous ligament damage, which put me into a neck brace for a little over six months. This was due to a football injury. And over the last three years, but most importantly, during that six month time frame, I got involved with personal development and started following different people on social media that were opening up different doors for entrepreneurship and just teaching me ways to think most importantly. And it was throughout that process that I got into social media marketing and building a personal brand and advertising and all of these different, um, I would say, I would say groups of interest of mine that I fell in love with. But most importantly, now over the past two and a half, three years, I've had a podcast and I've been able to sit down and interview so many different world-class entrepreneurs, anyone from billionaires to CEOs, executives, executives of fortune 500 companies, and just different people that I've truly learned from just from simply having a podcast with them. And I think on today's episode, I do want to touch on the value of podcasting, why you should have a podcast, because over the last two and a half years, it's changed my life when it comes to my network and the opportunities. But most importantly, it's allowed me to become and get involved with so many unique circles of people that I didn't have access to before. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's been one of the most important things for sure is the podcast, as well as my app Moti, which I know, like you said, the app isn't available in South Africa yeah. yet. We're working on that. But um, yeah, I would say the most important thing is come from a small town in Virginia. About a year and a half ago, I, or about a year ago, I moved out to Arizona to pursue um, just more things after high school out here with my business partners. And yeah, man, it's, it's definitely been a, a crazy journey. And the people in my life that came from social media and the podcast, it's truly been a, a pleasure that I look forward to sharing. Yeah, I think it's crazy. And one thing that really talks to me is at 16 years old, you spoke on stage with Caleb Maddox and went to Ty Lopez's house. Will you kind of go through us? How many episodes had you done at that point? Where were you? And how did you actually approach Ty and show him so much potential and value that he, that he flew you up to his house and you got yeah, to speak yeah. on stage? Absolutely. So, I mean, so Caleb Maddox, one of my good friends now, he is someone that um, at 15 years old I found and he was someone that just truly impacted me because I was saying, hey, if a 14-year-old can write seven books and travel all over the world and speak on stages, why can't I? It sort of gave me a, a reassurance of what I can do at a young age. So yeah. overall, uh, me and Caleb got connected. This was like early 2016 and I followed him for eight months and I, we were connecting on social media. And then he invited me out to an event in San Diego and this was early early 17 now 2017 and long story short i went out to san diego it was the first time i ever went to california and like i said i come from a small town in virginia known as chesterfield county so it was very 
a big step to make that I've never taken before. And I think the most important thing for people listening that I want to touch on really quickly is the things or the things you haven't done before you become uncomfortable. And it's the stepping into your, I would say, the uncomfort zone that will truly create breakthroughs in your life, right? We've all heard the quote, start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the most important things that I've done from a young age is all of the things that I was truly uncomfortable with that I might not have done, I just executed and attacked on. So I went out to San Diego with my dad to meet Kayla Maddox, to meet a couple of different entrepreneurs and individuals like Gerard Adams and Dan Fleshman. And after going to that event, I speak on stage for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. That was my first time ever speaking on stage. And the day I get back from this event, like you said, I decide to send Ty Lopez a DM on Instagram, but it was more so me reaching out to say, hey Ty, eight months ago I was in a neck brace. I was super depressed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. But now after going through your programs and your courses, you really opened my mind up to what's possible with social media and building a brand. So overall, I, I just sent him a random message and he actually responds to me and gets back to me like 15 minutes later. And I wasn't expecting that. So he says, Hey man, tell me more about your story. And I long story short, I send him a short paragraph. I'm like, Hey Ty, uh, I come from a small town in Richmond, Virginia. I've played sports my entire life. And while playing football, I got diagnosed with this injury and I was in a neck brace for six months. And that's when I found out who you were during that depression state. And long story short, he's like, hey man, like, are you making money with my program? I was like, yeah, I've been doing some social media marketing, blah, blah, blah. So he says, hey man, I'd love to shoot a video with you out in LA. You should um, come out here to film with me. And I was in, I think it was 11th grade at the time. So a junior in high school. And I have to tell him, I'm like, hey man, I've never been to LA before. I'd have to go out there with my mom. So you'd have to fly me and my mom out there. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, dude, I'll fly you out. I'll put you in a hotel and you can come out here and we'll shoot a video. So I really didn't believe that was really about to happen. I didn't really understand it because Ty was a mentor for me for a year and a half, just on social media. I was following him, looking at his content and just truly getting involved with what he was doing. So for him to fly me out and now meet him at his house, it was truly a breakthrough for me that opened me up to like, okay, by doing these little things on social media, sending a DM, being consistent, showing up at an event, it led me to one of my number one mentors houses at the time. And I think that's a valuable lesson for everyone of like, who do you truly aspire to meet? I think that's the most important thing we should all ask ourselves when getting on social media or starting a podcast saying, all right, number one, why are we doing it? But number two, like, who do we want to bring into our lives? Because the, the truth is over the next one, two, three, five years, the only two things that will truly change are the people in your life and the information that you take in. Through those two vehicles, you can truly change your life. And I think the most important thing that I want to get through on this story about Ty is that it truly gave me a mental breakthrough of, okay, I've now been able to sit down and talk to one of my mentors at the time and still is. And it overall led me into so many more opportunities moving forward into 2017, which we'll get into. But it definitely was one of those things where I think it was the right timing the right question, the right ask that truly opened my door up to him. Yeah. But I would like to say he got back to me and it just truly changed my whole perspective on the power of social media. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I want to know at what what place were you in and like at that specific time, how many episodes had you done? Obviously, it's the first time I speak on stage. So first of all, you had to see something within you. You had to see potential. You had to see something different um, to fly you yeah. out to to spend energy and time with you. What point were you at at that stage in terms of your entrepreneurial journey, social influence, financial state, and really your networking? Where were you at? Because yeah, you, so, you obviously saw something different in you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that during that time, I was just getting started on social media. I was running a personal, not a personal branding, a social media marketing agency where I was running like Facebook ads for my local dentists and doctors and just people that I reached out to to say, hey, let me run your Facebook and your Instagram and all this different stuff. And then I was closing these clients due to the fact that I was going through Ty's program. So when it comes to my entrepreneurial journey at that time, it was really just me running Facebook and Instagram pages for these clients in my local area. So that was number one. Number two, I didn't have a podcast at the time. So this was beginning of 2017. I didn't start my podcast until December 2017. So like towards the end of the year. So I had no interviews. I wasn't utilizing podcasting. I didn't think about podcasting. So I didn't have any episodes out during that time. But I think the biggest thing that Ty or that I may have gotten recognized for was my ability to ask the right questions. Because here's the thing, every person that I've met up to this point has came from some sort of networking tactic, which we can get into. But throughout that time, 
I didn't have a massive network. I didn't have too many opportunities coming to me. I was more so posting content on social media about the books I was reading and what I wanted to do and my goals and ambitions and just more so regurgitating the information that I was learning. And it was throughout that learning process that I truly began to fall in love with the power of networking. How can I meet people? How can I connect with people that Ty may know? So at this event in San Diego that I went to, Dan Fleshman, he was someone that was teaching inside of Ty, uh, Ty Lopez's social media program. So when I reached out to Ty, which I forgot to mention, I was able to name drop Dan Fleshman and say, hey man, I was spoken at an event with Dan Fleshman, learned a lot from him and also yourself over these last eight months. So I was able to state an individual that he already knows and works with known as Dan Fleshman to therefore create a level of like, oh, he knows someone that I know. Let me take a chance and listen to what he has to say. Same thing with if you have someone that is your best friend and they introduce you to someone, you are way more likely to feel opened to bring that person in, to connect with that person, right? Yeah. So the same sort of formula. When I reached out to Ty, I've, I already connected with two or three people that he knew and I was able to leverage those names and say, hey, I've met these people, I've worked with these people, I've spoken on stage with these people. So that being said, he was, I, I think in terms of my opportunity and the way he was able to get back to me, was it wasn't based on what I've done or accomplished, it wasn't based on my social following, it was that I've taken the action on his program and the things that he stated to do, I've gotten results with his programs and I've also been associated with the people that he's known. So it, it made sense for him, right? It wasn't someone that reached out without having any idea of who he was, without going through any programs or knowing anyone that he knows. So that opportunity and that advantage, I believe, was the, the thing that truly gave me that opportunity. Absolutely, and I think it was, abs it was just the perfect right time, right place, and right moment for you to reach out. You had spent energy and time looking at his content, investing in his content at a young age. And obviously that shows commitment, that shows that you actually care about who he is over what he's done. And I think then, Obviously, he was like, I have to have this kid out. So let's quickly dive into your podcast. For those who don't know, where did you start? Where are you now? Casey's actually interviewed some incredible individuals. Jake Paul, Grant Cardone, Jay Shetty, Gary Vaynerchuk. Obviously, that took time to build up the credibility and maybe the listenership. Or you did something strategic in terms of the networking to get to those people. But will you go through, like, for instance, for me, right, I've interviewed you now. How can people use, is it all about credibility? Is it all about how many listeners you got? What makes them say yes over someone else? Yeah, so I would say this. There's, there's three main things. So to answer the question directly, yes, it has to do with some sort of credibility, but I think we all need to define what that is. So, for example, I always tell people, Start small. Don't focus on going after all the big names first. Like you need to truly immerse yourself in a group of people who a yes, may have more credibility than you, but overall get your skin in the game. Start interviewing people that you already have in your network, people that you've already spoken with, because those people are more likely to say yes right off the bat. So I say for anyone that's starting a podcast, just start getting some episodes under your belt. So if you're doing interviews, start interviewing people that you already have a relationship with to deepen that relationship. Because when you reach out to someone like Grant Cardone or Gary Vee, you can truly say, hey, I've interviewed this, this amount of people. I've been doing my podcast for this long. I would love to have you on my show. But it's, really, it's truthfully, I think, not about the credibility of the show or the listeners at all. Because the truth is, they don't not care about the amount of listeners but you can, it's not a public thing. When I go to someone's podcast on iTunes, it doesn't show the exact amount of listeners, which is an advantage and an opportunity for you to utilize that to your advantage, right? So I tell people this all the time though. My social media credibility was able to get me in touch with these people. And as simple as this, like when I started reaching out to bigger people, and I think there's three major things, and I've asked Jay Shetty this personally, like building up the social credibility to have an audience on social, whether that's 5,000 followers or less, or, any, or 5 million followers or somewhere in the middle. Like at the time when I was reaching out and getting all these big people on my show, I maybe had 100,000, 150,000. But most importantly, I was putting out content. I was living my truth. I was documenting. I was telling my story. And I was young, and I was embracing that. So a lot of these people like Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, they want to build a young audience. And you have to understand how can I be valuable to them? So by having an audience on social, by having a show, but more so just, I would say, utilizing your social credibility to your advantage, that's the biggest. Sometimes Gary Vee may do an episode with someone when they have no brand, no followers, and it's their first show because he's just a very nice guy. But most of the time, he won't. So you have to truly understand how can I bring value to this person? But most importantly, it's the consistency game because a lot of these people have 
a lack of time. So it's like, like you did for me of just being consistent to get someone on your show and understanding that it won't happen overnight. Like for example, I was at a dinner in Los Angeles with um, Tillman Fertitta and I just interviewed Tillman Fertitta on my podcast. He's a multi-billionaire. He's uh, owner of the Houston Rockets and he just came out with his book called Shut Up and Listen. I was, I, I connected with Larry King's son at this dinner. So Larry King, he's legendary interviewer, like the OG person in this space. I was talking to his son and it was something where I'm like, okay, like I would love to figure out how I can provide value to him. So his son, wants to be on the Dodgers. He wants to play baseball in the MLB. And I know a couple of Dodgers players myself. So I'm going to connect him with people that I've known for over a year now that play for the Dodgers. And he was like, yeah, man, I, I'd love to, um, I'd love to introduce you to my dad. I think he'd love to be on your show. And that would be obviously someone that I'd love to have on my show because it's such a legendary impactful person. But back to the point of it's deliver value first. Don't go in there thinking about yourself. Think about how can I add value to this person or how can I add value to the person that I want to speak with, whether that's their friend or the person themselves. But most importantly, yes, it has to do with social credibility. Yes, it has to do with following and people want to see, okay, how can I, they don't want to waste their time, period, right? Like they want to speak to an audience, right? So it's, yes, it has, um, it has to do with your audience for sure. But most importantly, the type of communication you bring to the table when asking them to be in your show. Like for example, now before I wrap this question up, before interviewing Grant Cardone, I want to interview his friends, people that he knows. So that when I reach out to Grant Cardone, I can name drop people in, a, in an authentic way saying, hey, I've had X, Y, and Z on my show and I'd love to have you on my show. Like utilizing relationships and the name dropping is key but you want to make sure that you're truly genuinely interested in those people and you're not just doing it to get that big person on your show. That's the key. So, I mean, I think that's the overall summary of the importance of that, but the truth is if I had to summarize it in three points. Number one, start by start small, get people you already know on your show. Number two, build a social credibility and a social following to deliver value, to have an audience for these bigger names. But number three, show up. You need to be consistent. You need to show up where they are. For example, if someone's on Instagram and you can see it by this little green dot, it shows they're active. That's the best time to shoot them a DM. That's the best time to communicate with them because they're already online. So you think about all these different pieces of uh, tactics and strategies to get in front of them. But like I just said, the importance is being consistent, but doing it in an authentic way. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people are two on one side and, and don't actually balance it. It's a balance of not being spammy and not underplaying and undervaluing yourself to the point where you're like, I'm not going to even reach out. So I think it's a key balance between sending a DM to someone that you know would be interested and not to just use them and say, I'm going to just interview for the purpose and the credibility and for that. Because I mean, I just checked, checked my DM to you and I've sent, I sent about four before you actually saw it. And a lot of guys are actually at that point scared of like, this guy doesn't want to talk to me. He's going to block me in five seconds. Um, <laughs> but I think it's more that you're actually busy and you might have missed one message or you might have briefly seen it and you weren't sure or you might have been yeah. like, is this going to be worth my time? So one of the studies that I use that I learned from you was sending an audio and a video pitch. It's the only thing I do now because I've seen that it gets more results. People sending these long paragraphs about how they are going to help them get more exposure and all this other crap that doesn't work. But just being genuine with them and saying your story, saying what you believe in and say why you would want them on. So let's, let's go into the five, because you, you know, you specialize in social media and brand branding and that kind of stuff. You know, give us five points for branding and social media. How do you not only grow your following, but create a personal brand and brand that people can recognize um, and the people that respect. So give us five well, points. Yeah, so I do a lot of um, a lot of public speaking and I always talk about the power of personal branding and how to truly build your personal brand so that you can leverage it to your advantage for, for a long time. And I've been doing this for three, four years now. So I would say the, the five most important things in building a personal brand, and this is coming from the speeches that I do with universities or on stages in front of thousands of people with Grant Cardone. I always talk about these five points. Number one, you have to define what personal branding is to you. So for me, it's building the most authentic perception of you on social media because that's the key. Number one is being authentic to you and knowing why you're doing it. We all have different motives. We all have different reasons why to build a personal brand. Is it for notoriety? Is it to make quick money? Is it to, to get attention and you want to have, you just want to get likes and followers? Like for me, it comes down to people. I want to be able to connect with people through my personal brand. And yes, make money that that's the byproduct of social and having a father. My number one priority 
for building a personal brand is to connect with people. And I, and I want to emphasize that strongly because that's my core reason and my authentic message. So number one, I want anyone listening to ask themselves, figure out why you're doing it. Why are you building a brand, personal brand? Why do you want to? Because if you don't know why you're doing it, the other four points that I'll go over right now, you will not be able to answer them truthfully. So that's the first thing I always want people to know is saying, okay, me embarking upon my social media journey, why am I doing it, right? Is like I just said, is it to make a quick dollar? Is it to connect with people? Is it to gain a following for your business? Whatever, and it's maybe a byproduct of all of those. But number two, figure out your three brand pillars. This is something that I always talk about and I, I think it's very important. My three brand pillars and what I mean by brand pillars is the type of content that you put out to your audience. So for me, my three brand pillars are podcasting, networking, and traveling because I podcast and I sit down with successful entrepreneurs. I um, network and I go to different events and I host my own events and I bring people together. And number three, I travel. I travel to do podcasts. I travel to do events and I do a lot of different things in different cities. And those are my three brand pillars and the type of content I post on social media. And I've tried to stay aligned with that for the past couple of years. But most importantly, before moving on to the next step, understand that your brand pillars can change. When I was 16 years old, I was posting about book reviews and regurgitating the content that I was listening to and I was posting about affiliate marketing. But that was my true self back then in 2016. So I think for everyone listening, like I said, number one, figure out why. Number two, decide on your three brand pillars, which is the three things that you're going to be talking about the most online. And once you do that, we'll move into number three. Number three is content. You could have the best ideas, the best brand pillars, but if you're not actively focused on the type of content and creating or documenting your story, nothing else will make sense. Nothing else will matter. So start figuring out, okay, how can I do, uh, how can I create content? How can I put out videos and pictures? Do I want to speak to the camera? Do I want to have a podcast? Like look at all the different variables of content about YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter. And I would say focus on one at first. Like, yes, it's great to be on everything and you should have a presence. But for me, it comes down to dominate and pivot. I want to focus on one core platform and then pivot. So that for me, it was Instagram and then now podcasting and now TikTok. And I'm also starting to do a couple more things on YouTube, but not really. That being said, focus on content. And once you have your initial content going on social media, you're posting more, you're writing these captions, you're doing Instagram stories, then you can do the fourth thing, which is the most important in my eyes, collaboration. Literally, if you want to grow a following or network with people online, you need to figure out your collaboration vehicle. So collaborations are very important because it allows you to immerse yourself in other people's personal brand. So I really want people to think about this. Over the last three years, I've, or last two years, I've been able to interview hundreds, uh, a little over a hundred different people. And these people have anywhere from a massive following with tens of millions of followers to people that have no following, but they have a massive network. But these type of collaborations with Jake Paul, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, Phil Fertitta, people that have massive influence, that type of credibility will shed off on you because you are your association. So I like to call collaborations association branding because the truth is, the number one reason why I've been able to grow on social media has been from these collaborations because it comes down to true people and true followers, other people that therefore find me through them. So I think that's the, the fourth and the most important thing before moving on to the next thing. Collaborate with people, figure out how you want to collaborate with people. It could be as simple as going on Instagram live with someone to all the way to doing a two and a half hour podcast with someone. And for me, podcasting has been very important because it gives me depth for a relationship on social media. And that's been my collaboration vehicle. And number five, I would say the most important thing, understand that it's long-term. Nothing about your personal brand is short-term, right? Like you can have short-term strategies and short-term running ads and doing all these things that give you a little jump, but your personal brand is truly your reputation ever. And your reputation is your brand. So if you're focusing on building your personal brand, you should be thinking in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year windows because your personal brand will live and die with you, right? It is your true, authentic perception of you and you can't sell your personal brand. You can sell a company, you can sell a product or a service, but you cannot sell your personal brand and recreate one, right? Like Casey Adams is me, my name, my identity, and my personal brand will always grow on top of that, right? So I think that's the most important thing is thinking long-term with it, not not cutting yourself short and selling a cheap product because you think it can make you a quick buck, but truly be involved in the long-term thinking of your brand. Because I've seen a lot of people come and go, 
very quickly. They're not focused on the value. They're not focused on impact. They just want to utilize their brand for selfish purposes. And that's not the way you're going to grow. Boom. Casey Adams at his best. I think people would be quite speechless at the moment because everything you said is so important and you miss one thing and it could mess up your strategy or could mess up your branding. And I wanted to ask, coming up as a speaker and wanting to start speaking at events, let's say you're 20 or you're 25 and you maybe haven't produced a seven-figure business or maybe you don't have a top podcast. Why would people firstly want to listen to you and what do you actually speak about? That's a great question, man. I think, and I tell this a lot to young people, I say, okay, before starting a show, like, what do you want to talk about, right? For me, it wasn't about me speaking to my audience directly. It was about interviewing other people. And I always talk about, there's like four different things you can do when starting a podcast. You can talk to the microphone by yourself. You can have a co-host. You can do interviews or you can do a multitude of all of those, right? For me, when starting my show, and I want everyone to think about this, it wasn't about the credibility of me and giving information on business. Yes, I still do that. I talk about podcasting, I talk about marketing advice, but I was able to elevate myself by elevating others. By having other people on my show, it gave me credibility. By having other entrepreneurs and elite performers on my show, it allowed me to learn and get myself involved and do different opportunities. So truthfully, it's not necessarily about your credibility or having a six, seven figure company. It's about the purpose of the show because I know people like Jay Shetty, right? He has, let's say a seven figure business. He's talking about spirituality and mindset and habits and just giving people tactical things to think about. It's not business related. And I don't think everyone listening to the show wants a business podcast, right? They could be having a pizza podcast or a fitness podcast or anything in between. So you need to truly ask yourself, like based on your current situation, where can you bring value? Is it by talking about what you're passionate about? Is it because you want to interview people and you want to start reaching out to people that have more experience than you that that can then provide value to your audience. For me and my show, Rise of the Young, I wanted to interview successful entrepreneurs through the lens of a 16, 17, 18, 19 year old individual. So the advantage for me, as well as yourself, was like you have your youth, you have a different mentality towards social media and business and marketing because you're young and you just have this unique perspective. So for me, sitting down with all of these legendary entrepreneurs and people that have been doing it for 20, 30 years, it allows them to speak to someone that will soon be in their spot 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So they want to truly impact that generation. And that's the advantage, right? By being young, or that was my advantage, right? Of being 16, 17 years old and saying, hey man, I have an audience of young entrepreneurs that are listening, they're hungry, they want more, come speak to them. And that's my advantage. So you need to ask yourself, based on your current situation of wanting to start a podcast, what is your advantage? And it might not be crystal clear right now. You might need to think about it for 30 days or a week or whatever it is. Ask yourself why you truly want to do it because, but most importantly, don't overthink it. You know, I would rather you start a podcast, get a cover made, get it uploaded and just put your first episode out about who you are and then say, okay, now what do I want to talk about? What is my goal here? Because I think the lack of progression comes down to the lack of execution. And if you don't execute and you wait another 30, 60, 90 days, like you're just going to get behind and that procrastination will live through you. So I would say that's one of the most important things, but it's truthfully about finding your voice and figuring out why you want to do it. Like I just interviewed this guy, Jordan Harbinger, and he's had a podcast since 2006. And he tells me, he's like, dude, everyone starting a podcast is not a good podcast. Or like, I consider myself good at communication and verbalizing my thoughts and overall being able to control the conversation because I'm a extrovert, I believe, and I can talk to people and I like being social. If you're not that, podcasting might not be the thing for you, right? So you need to ask yourself, based on your personality traits, is this for you? Do you want to grow your skill set on it? Or like, what is your core purpose with it? Because a lot of the top podcasters, Andy Priscilla, Jordan Hartman, or Gary Vee, like they're so good at it and their show is so like top dog because truthfully, they've been doing it for years. They've had a massive early adopter advantage and they have their network and access to amazing people. And there's, you're competing with these people. That's the truth. If you're in the business podcast space, you're competing with these top people. So you need to truthfully figure out your advantage. And that's, that's the first thing. And I think also that's where collaboration comes in. Instead of, for instance, yourself, instead of competing against Jake Paul, you leveraged off him. You not, not used him, but 
you took the best out of what he had to offer and he took the best what you had to offer and you put it together and that benefited you as a whole. So what is your purpose and passion and why at the moment? Yeah, man, I think the most important thing, so I have, a, I have an event coming up next weekend in Los Angeles, the Young and Reckless Live event. I think just by having events, I've done events for the past two and a half years, anywhere from in Germany to Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Chicago, all these different major cities in the U.S. And I think the most important thing and my purpose and my passion is truly being able to cultivate a unique group of people. And what I mean by that is by curating environments and curating these social gatherings, it brings people together. Like, for example, my, my good friend and business partner, Drama from Young and Reckless, he has a podcast called Short Story Long. And over the past three months, I've been able to get a couple amazing people on his show, like Chase Hero and Dan Fleshman and Nick Santanastasso and all these people that I can go on and on about and being able to provide that opportunity to network and connect people of massive influence. That is my true passion because it's literally like seeing this powerful person that has so much to offer to connect with this person. And you're the one to do that. Like that fires me up being able to connect people, being able to cultivate people and growth of their network. So I think to answer the question, truthfully, curating environments, connecting people and just being able to cultivate a powerful group of people in one room for a period of time, which is, like I said, next Saturday, October 12th in LA, we have, um, we have an event going on from 9am to 5pm. And throughout that day, it's focused on networking and talking and telling stories from stage and doing live podcasts. And it's that opportunity that creates so much that looking back in a year, like I've seen before, like the reason why I live in Arizona as came from hosting an event. The reason why I know all of these people it goes back to each and every single event. So um, I would say that's my true passion right now. Okay, yeah, I think that's powerful. And with, you know, being either at school or doing a college degree, how would you be able to start an event? I know that you did it at a very young age and I'm, I'm interested in to start my own event because there's such a big opportunity here. So I think to do your event, to host it, to network, to have incredible people all gather in one place. How do you first of all start and what is the procedures and what are the things that you've learned about hosting an event that myself and others can make the same mistakes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I would say the number one thing about hosting events is there's, there's truly so many people doing it right now and there is a competition for it in terms of like the biggest events like Grant Cardone, he'll sell out 35,000 people, Tony Robbins, like all the big people. Like if you're going to this business mastermind type event business, you're competing with these people, but it's all comes down to your unique advantage. So number one, I'll point out to you, you being in South Africa, massive advantage, right? When you ask me to, hey, let's do this, let's speak at universities and you should come out to South Africa. I believe that advantage for people in different countries or influencers in the US, that's a unique advantage because in the US, there's so many events going on every single day in LA and New York and Miami and all these different major cities. But for me, the unique opportunity is doing the opposite. So for example, this event next weekend on Saturday, there'll be about 400 people there. We have some speakers like Rob Deerdeck and Kevion and my buddy Ryan Blair and Michael Mente from Revolve. He owns a publicly traded company. And the unique advantage is getting people tend to not speak at events often. And I think that's the unique opportunity because here's the thing, you can learn from so many people from going to these events, but you can also learn from a lot of listening to their content online. So the unique opportunity is getting people that don't speak at every single event because yes, those people are still valuable, but it's that unique advantage of, Oh wait, that person will be there. He never does speaking things. Like for example, Rob Deerdeck, he's going to be speaking at our event next Saturday and he never does speaking, speaking things really. He's been on MTV and he's had his companies crushing it for the last decade, massive personal brand. He's truly like created like a massive name in the entertainment industry. And by having that unique opportunity and advantage gives the event authority. And I think for any event, because no matter how big or small, they are all still valuable, whether there's five people in a room or 50 or 5,000, it is truly this massive, like different stepping stones. Like I've done events with 10 people or 50 people or 500 people and a thousand people or 400, like we're doing this weekend. And it's not necessarily about the people, the amount of people, it's about the quality of people, right? So I think for anyone that wants to start an event and what I've learned from it, like there's a lot of logistical things, right? Like for example, making sure the schedule is aligned, but most importantly, crafting the experience. I think that's the most important thing that I love falling in love with is okay, like when they walk in, how, how are they gonna feel? What are they gonna think about? Like 
What is the opportunity to put something here? Is it a photo booth? Is it getting a massive brand to sponsor it and put up all these different cool banners or like cool pop-up sort of things? And I think that's the most unique thing is like, okay, get people and brands involved because once you have other brands involved, it creates a unique opportunity for the person buying a ticket. So for Last thing before wrapping this up, our tickets are 100 US dollars. We've had events with for 2,000, 5,000, but this one is a unique opportunity because it's low ticket. And I think that's what we want to provide. We want to go for scale of like, okay, this ticket's only 100 bucks. You can come learn from all these amazing people and curate that environment. But most importantly, I do events because I can bring my network together, period. So you need to figure out what is your core purpose of doing it. Like I personally, the events I host, I don't speak at. I just genuinely love hosting them and putting them together and yes, going on stage, saying a few words, but that's my unique opportunity is my reason why. Like, I don't want to be in the spotlight when I have events. I want other people to be in the spotlight. I want to be able to create an opportunity through people that are better than me, truthfully, because if you have an event with people that are all on the same level as you, it's not growing you. It's yes, it can grow the crowd of people that, that are just getting started, but you should utilize an event to grow yourself. I want to be the person listening in the audience and taking notes as well, right? I want to be the person that the event I host, I can learn from and I can gain value from. So that's always the reason why I've done them is like, it's to help people, to help myself, but to bring people together. And I think there's a lot of logistical steps that we can get into if you'd like, but overall it's truthfully about the curating the environment. Yeah. So you said you like to get people that are kind of, above you and at the next level so that you can also learn something new so starting out maybe have a donor event or maybe done one event why would it be worth for instance your time if there's going to be 10 people there and it's a free event and there's not going to be a lot of money and you're not going to get that exposure you're not going to get that networking in why would someone want to come to my event that I'm hosting with maybe 30 people? Yeah, no, great question. And I think here's the truth. It's number one, when you're first starting events, you should expect no one to be there. Literally like every event and, and moving that mentality forward, meaning every event that I have, I'm scared that people won't show up, right? But they do and we've built the brand and we've built the audience. But ever since the first event I had, it was like, okay, we just want to curate an environment of people, whether it's five people or 10 people or 300 people, whatever it is. I think if you're throwing your first event or you'd like to, you shouldn't expect to make money, period. You should focus on curating a tribe, curating a group of people that you can just put together because the truth is the event isn't about you, right? It's about the people that can meet each other in the group through you. So you're more so creating that opportunity. And I think the most important thing is like, yes, having structure, but going into the first one of just saying, hey, don't, don't raise people's expectations. If, it's, if you think it's going to be 30 people there, don't say there's going to be 3,000 people there, right? Like just make it very clear the first one and make people know it's your first one. Hey, this is my first time hosting events. The, the goal is to have 30 people here. Tell your friends bring people of quality to come network. It doesn't have to be a massive speaking event. It doesn't have to have a list full of amazing world-class speakers, but it should head in that direction. But understand there's stepping stones. You always wanna move forward, right? You wanna have five people and then 10 people and then 20 people and then 25 people. You wanna focus on the growth of it. So I would say moving into the first one, like if, for example, if I'm speaking to you directly, find a, find a, a venue or a place that you can meet. Number two, Find people that you know that can help spread the word. Word of mouth marketing is key. If your friend tells you about an event, they're more likely to be there than any advertisement that pops up on their, their Instagram or Facebook page because their friend is telling them about it. So start gathering and speaking with direct people that can help spread the word, period. I think if you do that, your first one can have 10, 20, 30 people there just from word of mouth exposure. And therefore, by doing that, it will give you an opportunity to document that event and post it on social media which therefore builds your brands it builds your authority it builds your credibility and overall it makes you take a massive step in the direction of cultivating a unique environment yeah so i think for the people that are listening i think replay it listen to the key points that casey's saying because he's essentially done so many events knows exactly what works and what doesn't and how to actually make the event something that people are looking forward to at the end of the week because there's nothing worse than hosting an event and people actually don't want to be there they're just there because they thought that their friend told them it was nice or it was going to be perfect for their business idea so make sure that you're not you're offering something powerful you're offering something value and genuinely want people 
to be looking forward to the event. And I think that's what, what Katie's also trying to portray. So switching it up to speaking now, because you want to start speaking at more events, um, and so do I. Do you think that going to an event and speaking to the speakers and the people that are organizing is key? Yeah, I would say for anyone, to start speaking at more events, you need to figure out, number one, what are you speaking about, right? When I was 16 getting involved with, I wanted to speak, I wanted to speak. I wasn't getting the speaking opportunities because I had nothing valuable to speak about, right? So it's like, you need to ask yourself, what is the value that you want to bring to a speaking gig? When I was 16 and the first event I spoke at, they were having a young entrepreneur day and I was speaking about Snapchat marketing. That was my to-do list for speaking. I knew exactly what I wanted to speak about. I knew what I was doing. I had results because the truth is people want to hear from people that have results, right? People want to hear from people that they can level up through. So first off, before getting into saying, okay, I want to start speaking at more events, ask yourself, what do you want to be speaking about? Who do you want to be speaking to? Because truthfully, I don't want to speak to a group of Fortune 500 CEOs. Yes, I can deliver value from a social media perspective. I, w I would rather learn from them, right? Like you need yeah. to understand where you, at, where you are at in your career to provide value to a certain group of people. But truthfully, the reason why I've been able to speak at a lot of events is by knowing the people that are hosting the events. And that came through hosting my own events, but most importantly, going to events, buying tickets, showing up. And I remember um, 2017, I dedicated once a month, I was flying from Virginia to LA, truthfully, once a month to connect with people, to network with different people, and to truthfully level up myself to say, okay, how can I just go to events and meet the people that are hosting it? And by doing so, that led me into being able to ask them, hey, if you have any opportunities for me to speak on a panel or you know events that are happening, I'd love to speak. But truthfully, by building my brand and doing all these podcasts and making more money through an agency and consulting, it led me to speak more because I had more to speak about. So that, that's the core thing, getting more results. And like the biggest entrepreneurs in the world, they are not trying to speak. They're focused on the results. They're focused on their business. And through doing that and getting more results, they get speaking opportunities, right? So I think thinking about it from that perspective of like, how can you do more? How can you create more? How can you get more results? Because that is what people want to know about. That is what people want to hear about. It's not, they want to hear you speak because you want to speak. They want to hear about what you have to offer. So that's the mentality I think that needs to massively change for people getting into the speaking environment of focus on what they want to speak about, but mastering their craft and their skill set. Yeah, I think that's, it's key. And I agree totally because people unfortunately are doing either for the money or just for the credibility or to tell their friends and not for the right reason. And that's why people aren't offering the opportunity to do it. So for, for someone who doesn't have a podcast, someone who doesn't have you know, a radio show or something to offer value to big guys like Grant, like yourself, how, how do they approach you, for instance? How would someone approach you if they maybe don't have something and they want to connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah, so I mean, you're saying just from a social media perspective or what? Like in terms of like you're getting into business, you're getting into entrepreneurship, you maybe run a digital agency, but you want to connect with people above you. What's the best way to show them potential and value without a podcast? Yeah, I would say the most important thing is like, I always tell people like, even like yourself, like Instagram is how I've connected with a lot of the most powerful people in my network through Instagram. That's a very, it's a unique opportunity because there's platforms like TikTok coming up that are massively killing it. But Instagram is something that is already established and you can build a brand on and connect with people. So I always tell people, send voice messages and video messages to the people that you want to connect with, but focus on the value. Like for example, if someone says this, let's just be super clear. And my buddy Goalie, he does a lot of my podcasts. He does all of my podcast editing. He reached out to me and said, hey man, um, I noticed one of your podcasts didn't have an intro on it or you haven't had one for a while because I was trying to figure out what I want to like make the intro. He said, Hey man, I'd love for you to send me every single one of your podcast episodes and I'll personally put an intro on it and send you back an edited file that you can just upload directly. He came at me with value first and he's been doing things for free to the point where I will pay him. Right? So it comes down to delivering distinctive value. And here's the thing. <laughs> I was, I was, I'll have DMS like that. People ask me, Hey man, can I ask you a question? That is the worst thing you could ever say. You can never ask someone to see if they will let you ask a question. You need, just need to shoot your shot and ask a question. Like people, the most important thing that I've learned about myself is that the communication with these higher up people 
I'm very direct. I'm straight to the point. I know what I want to offer them, but I don't, I don't jump the gun, right? If you have nothing to offer someone, you shouldn't focus on building that relationship right now. You should focus on, okay, yes, you can connect with them, but what can you do for them? What can you add value to them? Because if you can't add any value to them, what's the point of that relationship, right? Yeah. So you need to figure out who and what are you going to provide value? If you're an audio engineer, if you're someone that can edit podcasts or edit videos or take pictures good or edit videos in a unique way, ask someone that is uploading videos or posting videos that you can enhance that portion of their brand. Show them what you can do. Do it for free. If you have a podcast that has a unique, um, like for example, someone like yourself, right? You have an audience in South Africa. People are listening from a different place that I've never been to. That's valuable when reaching out to someone in the US because it's a unique market that I've personally never been to. I'm sure a majority of people that live in the US have not been to South Africa. And if they have, great, they still want to expand their audience there. So think about your unique leveraging points because once you do that, it will give you more intentful reasons to reach out to people. Yeah, I agree. Big value. <laughs> I think that I think that Casey the way that you connect with people and portray yourself to be someone who actually genuinely cares about other people is why you're able to connect with these people at such a young age and to the point where you may have not been so successful, but you know how to approach people and you know what to say to them so that they can spend time and energy with you. And that's what I've learned from you drastically. So what is, what is your definition of success? Yeah, man, uh, that's a great question. I, I think for me, um, the definition of success, I think everyone has a different definition. So, but to keep it simple, I would say true success is living every single day, truly fulfilled on what you're doing. Because I think, yes, there's success financially. Yes, there's success in a family environment. Yes, there's success of a company, but success truthfully, I think comes down to your mental state. If you are not happy, with where you are, with the people that you're around, with where you live, with the money you make, you are not successful, right? But yes, you have to have your standards and always raise your standards, but I don't think success is labeled to money. I don't think success is labeled to family because if you have a great family but you have no money, you're probably not successful because you're stressing every single day. If you have all the money in the world but you don't have a solid family and you're depressed because you don't have a core group of friends or you don't have a loving wife or you, have, you don't have kids but you'd like that, you're not successful. I think success is determining what your ideal life looks like and living that to its truest form. Living every single day in an excited, fun, energetic way. Like some of my, like my buddy Chase Hero, he has an amazing family, an amazing business. He loves, he loves cars and all these different things, but he's truly successful because that is what he defines as success. Is all of those things put together and he's fired up every single day. So I think for me to just summarize it is you can be successful on a daily basis, but what does success in three, six, 12, 18 months look like, right? Like every single day you need to redefine what success is to you because if you're stagnant with where you are and you're like, okay, and this goes for the biggest people. Okay. You just sold a company. You're successful financially. Okay. You're good to go. What's next? I think true success is the person suit of your ultimate self like there's this quote that i love it says the pursuit of what well, i can't remember exactly it's more so like the pursuit of your ultimate version of yourself is true success because you should, you should never feel like you've achieved success it's the pursuit of success that makes you successful right and that comes from a good friend of mine ed Milet, and he says it in a different way but that I believe is what success is. It's the pursuit of the ultimate version of yourself. Yeah, I think, I think it's different for everyone, but in terms of what's going to bring you the most film of happiness, everything correlates and there is a point towards it. So you're passionate about your Modi app and your podcast and Young and Reckless. Where's Modi app going? What, what is exciting about it? What's, what is the actual purpose of it and how is it going to change the world? Yeah, man, so I, I think Modi app is the most unique one-on-one peer-to-peer consulting app in the world right now because here's the thing you can call someone directly if there's a split screen app and you can bill someone per minute so you can charge for your time directly from your phone and you'll be get getting paid as soon as that call ends so if i'm charging you a dollar a minute for 60 minutes as soon as we hang up at 60 minutes i'll get 60 dollars but the cool thing about it is you can screen record the conversation and document what you're talking about and it's saved directly to your camera roll and the internal interface of the app has an internal banking system where you can see how much money you've made per call, per minute, how many transactions you've had. 
And it, it truly is an internal accounting system that you use as an individual consultant. But moving forward with Modi, our goal is to get acquired within the next 12 months from a consulting firm or a law firm or some company that can truly take the app to the next level. I came out as a marketing partner and I'm really focused on getting high quality people on board and people of influence on board to charge for their time. But truthfully, what it will look like in six months, 12 months is it will be an app that you can also download on the computer and there will be a 50-50 split screen where you can have 50 people in a chat, billing them $1 a minute, providing value to them on a scalability rate. So if you have 500 people or 100 people that you're charging a dollar a minute for, you're making $100 a minute after 60 minutes, you've made $6,000. So truthfully, it's about scalability in the marketplace because that will provide the most unique opportunity and the value to the end one-on-one consultant. Okay, yeah, I think there's nothing like it in the industry in terms of the convenience, the easy paying method, and you actually get to have an opportunity to speak with the right people to help your specific business grow. Um, and I think that it's going to be something huge in the future. And I'm very excited to, to see it come to South Africa. I hope that, you know, I could be a affiliate in South Africa for the Modi app. And yep. I think that the South Africans, would, they, they're looking for people to speak to. And there's not enough people, first of all, marketing and giving them the opportunity to speak with the right people for their specific business. So I think it's, it's going to be big. And there's nothing like it in the market. So it's something very unique and exciting for, for you and your team. To kind of close off, and I know you're going to wrap this up, but where, where do you see that the young entrepreneurs in, in our generation are, first of all, making mistakes, and second of all, doing things that are not going to benefit them in the future? Yeah, no, a great question. And I think the most important thing is, like, all of us, no matter how successful, like, we all make mistakes on a daily basis. We all get into situations that we have figured out, oh, this probably wasn't the best relationship to get into or the best partnership to get into or this isn't the best opportunity for me and i think the most important thing is that we all change whether for the worse or for the better but overall pursuing success and becoming the ultimate version of you you will have challenges you will go through that aren't that right in the moment but in order to see the good in everything you must also see the bad in order to become successful you must fail to see both sides of the spectrum and i think for a lot of young entrepreneurs including myself I think the most important thing is focus, right? You need to truly be dedicated to what you're doing and have no other obligations, period, because without that ultimate focus, you will spread yourself thin. And I think we all fall into that trap of saying, okay, what am I focused on? Is it one thing? Is it three things? Do I have the side gig? Whatever it is, focus on number one, not only making money, but fulfilling the current lifestyle you want to live. And when I say lifestyle, I don't mean materialistic things. I mean, for example, I, I was living in Virginia, going to high school, and I wanted to move out west. So therefore, I had business partners and the opportunities to move out to Arizona, to move out west, to get closer to California. And overall, that was the current life I wanted to live. And I think the most important thing we can all do is completely get involved in the community we want to. And overall, seeing change in the simplest form. So for example, everyone has the opportunity to go to an event because they can look online and see what events closest to them. In order to get to where you're going to go, you need to figure out the group of people you want to associate with. And I think the most important thing that I would like young entrepreneurs to do is to build a quality network. Because here's the thing. I tell people all the time, I could never be homeless, period. I built a network and I've built opportunities in my life with quality people if I ever needed a place to stay, if I ever needed a favor from someone or whatever it is, in the simplest form, a meal to eat, I've built the most quality network of people by providing value for what I'm doing in this given moment that I know for the rest of my life, the quality people will only grow. So I tell people, build a network with intent for lifelong relationships and figure out, yes, if you know a thousand people, you're probably only going to be close to 50 to 100 or whatever it is. But the truth is every young person should be focusing on the people in their life because the people in your life will dictate the opportunities in your life and the opportunities in your life will dictate the execution and the, really where your direction is going moving forward. So I would say that's the most important thing to every entrepreneur of yes, you should focus on a skill set. Yes, you should focus internally on executing, but always put a lot of time and importance on building 
relationships because that is truthfully what will make or break you. Whether that comes to raising money, whether that comes to product placement, whether that comes to getting advice about marketing or branding, or if you need a favor, whatever it is, it's people oriented. Everything in business is people oriented. If you want to get a product, there's someone building the product. There's someone selling the product. There's a CEO of that company that's running the company. There are people involved in every business you want to get into. So focus on people, put people first, focus on networking. And if you do that, everything else will come together flawlessly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So closing with two questions, Casey, you've been amazing. Um, I appreciate your time. And for those who haven't checked out Casey, you just, you, as I said in the story, I said you're either living under a rock or you don't have a social media account because this guy is not only everywhere, but he's impacted and he has such powerful intentions and purpose. So, you know, he's someone really special to me because he was one of the first person that I really listened to and took action upon. So to interview someone, an icon, an individual that you've always inspired to be, is something really not only emotional but just special and it's a special time and a special day for me Thank so you. i appreciate you and because of two questions so the one is where do you see the social media world going the podcast industry going and the e-commerce industry going yeah man so i would say first things first with social media you have to evolve because right now i think um for example tiktok i um that's an app that i think you've obviously you've heard of but TikTok is a platform that's growing so much on a daily basis and I'm spending a lot of time and energy on TikTok because it's a new form of social media that you should take advantage of while it's hot. So for anyone that's watching or listening to this podcast, get on TikTok because it's new, it's cutting edge, you can get so much attention on it and if you're building a personal brand, you need to be on that platform, period. So I think the most important thing that um, when it comes to podcasting, the future of it is Honestly, and I asked this question to Jordan Harbinger the other day when I was interviewing him, and he's been doing podcasting for the last six years. The podcast industry is going to continue to grow, but the people on top will always not only stay on top, but they have so much leverage right now because if you're in the top 200 or the top 100 chart on iTunes, you're getting rewarded. There's a lot of small podcasters that it's hard to build that initial audience, and that was me for a long time but it comes down to fulfilling and being dedicated to the craft of it because you shouldn't want to start a podcast just to interview people. You should focus on putting out quality content. If no one was listening anyways, like if you're not doing a podcast, which is long form content, like a radio show for a unique purpose, I don't think you should be doing it at all. I think, yes, everyone should have a podcast, but the people that think and truly believe that that is for them. Talking to a microphone, holding conversations, speaking for a long period of time. If that isn't something you want to do, you're gonna get burnt out and you're gonna get beat by the other people. So long story short though, a lot of big advertisers are spending money on podcasts, spending money on TikTok, and I think those are the biggest two opportunities moving forward into 2020 because they're very much so untapped. So I would think those are two important things. When it comes to e-commerce, it will continue to dominate. I know a lot of the biggest e-commerce guys in the space, not if only, not just in the space, but in the world that are running fashion brands and running massive operations. And you see like Forever 21 going out of business and Toys R Us closing, all these massive corporations that are shutting down. That will continue to happen based on my thoughts and my experience in the industry of talking to all these world-class people. But most importantly, and I always tell people because we're both young and in the United States, I haven't personally been through an economic downturn. And they're predicting it to happen in 2020 and 2021, which will come soon. And I always tell people, I'm not worried because the people in my life now have gone through it and they've came out bigger and better. So if you're listening to this right now, focus on people, right? Focus on the people in your life. I always tell people, every industry can come and go, but the people in your life will stay, right? So that's where I would put more time into, but utilize the platforms like TikTok and podcasting because those are definitely two things that you can take advantage of. Yeah. So last closing of question, I'm, I know that you probably don't have too many regrets because you took so much action, but if you could tell your 16 year old Casey Adams, anything regarding business entrepreneurship, what would it be? Yeah, man. I think the most important thing truthfully would be to, to truly think about, okay, whatever you're doing, how can you compliment someone? Whether, whether that's you're going into a partnership, what is the value for both parties? What are two people offering? You need to truly think about, and this is something I wish I would have known two, three years ago. Okay, where do you see the growth in, growth in this? Do you think you could do this alone? Do you need to get into a 
partnership, what is the core reason why you're stepping into what you're about to embark upon? Because I think it's great to take massive action, but you need to take calculated action. Understand why you are taking this action now, because the truth is you can go, you can go nowhere fast. So I would rather take small incremental steps and have a clear direction than speed because you could, like I just said, you can go nowhere fast, but with calculated steps on a daily basis, you can get and move forward in the direction you want. So I would say that's the most important thing, period. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks for coming on, Casey. I know your time is limited and you're hectic. That's why it took so long for this incredible, powerful podcast to happen. I hope you actually enjoyed it and it was worth your time. And I hope that you we spoke about something that maybe you haven't touched on and you connected with someone that you maybe never thought you would. So all of Casey's Adam's links will be in the description below. I will also be posting this on my YouTube channel. So go make sure you go check that out. Remember this, this is all about you guys. So for the listeners, if you enjoyed this episode of my podcast, go hit a five-star review. Appreciate you. If you could write a powerful review on Casey Adams' podcast, The Rise of the Young, he also appreciate that. See you guys next time. And thanks again, Casey, for coming on the Young Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, man. This is great.